near-death experience podcast, an ongoing exploration of spiritually transformative experiences, including NDEs and other phenomena, in order to elucidate the ineffable and better understand our spirituality. All episodes are available at ndepodcast.org. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and guests are not necessarily those of NDE Podcast, the NDERF, any sponsors, or for that matter, anyone else. In the end, the only opinion that really matters is yours. Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast, the official source of audio accounts for the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. I'm Chaz Hathaway, author of Life in the Spirit World, What Near-Death Experiences May Teach About Life on the Other Side, and the album Home. Today we're going to share a couple of experiences, and I'll just dive into the first and then give a little bit of of a background to the second. Okay. The first is by William on enderf.org. William says, The first thing that I recall was leaving my body and seeing the doctors and nurses working on me. I then began to float out of the operating room and see my father holding my mother as she was crying. I recall the color of the chairs they were sitting in. It was very 1960s-ish, blue, orange, yellows, and tiles on the wall were also different colors. Then I went through what seemed like a tunnel, and I was moving very fast. I remember my stomach was turning, but I wasn't scared and seemed to be at peace, just a strange sensation. The next thing I can recall, I was kneeling down on a small dirt road, picking flowers and hoping that I didn't have to go back. As I was picking flowers, I saw two people walking up the road towards me and remember thinking, I hope I don't have to go back. This was very prevalent throughout my whole experience. They were wearing brown robes like monks and carrying staffs. I do not see their, I could not see their faces because the hood was hiding it from me. As I recall, they never said anything to me but I knew I was about to find out if I had to return. We walked until we came to what appeared to be a very large house, and I entered, and before me was what I think was God, or someone who had the power to decide if I was to return. Then this being told me to be good and pointed to my right. As I turned, I saw about five or six round shapes that looked like planets sitting on top of pedal stools. Then I immediately went straight into one of the objects and again felt the same feeling of moving very fast until I could see my body on the operating table. I can remember this as if it happened yesterday. It was many years before I told anyone because I thought people would think I was crazy but I remember seeing a movie about near-death experiences in the 1970s, and I realized that I wasn't the only one. 
I told only a few people since then, and this is the first time ever writing this down, but I feel it's important to let people know that death is not the end, and that we should be good. It sounds simple, and you would think if it was God, he would have said more, but that is what he said. I've also heard that the brain may do weird things when you're dying, but I was only three or four years old. I don't even think I knew the world was around. I know the truth, and I have tried to be a good person. That doesn't mean I'm perfect, but when I stand in front of him again, the good will outweigh the bad, and I hope that will be enough to stay this time. God bless everyone, and do your best to lead a good life and make God proud of what he created. That is the end of William's experience. And how beautifully sweet. I mean, he goes to the other side. He sees who he believes is God, and he has a sim- the simple message, be good. You know, when you think about the all the different creeds, all the different religions, world religions, uh, different sects of the various world religions, if you break off all of the hardcore differences and just and just look at the really deepest core of what is being taught. I can think of two things. Be good and love God. Love one another. I should say it comes down to be good and love. And I find that beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Okay, next one. This is Sylvia from enderf.org. Now, this is an interesting experience because there is no apparent death involved. Nothing of the sort, in fact. Sylvia has this experience while she is sleeping at night, on an ordinary night. There's nothing physically traumatic, nothing mentally traumatic about it. It's just she goes to bed at night has this experience. And so some people will discount it because of that and say, well, this doesn't count then. This uh, this isn't a real near-death experience. Be that as it may. If, if that's how you feel, fine. My feeling about it, my uh, opinion, is that these kinds of experiences can come to anyone. I would not suggest that they will come to everyone at some point. They don't, as far as I can tell, or at least... People don't remember it if they do have these kinds of experiences. But they can happen to anyone in any kind of situation. They are certainly more common with death-like experiences, dying experiences, so forth, and, uh, and, they, and often in severely mentally traumatic experiences, things like that. But they can happen just while sleeping on an ordinary day. So here is Sylvia on enderf.org. I still remember very clearly what happened. I went to sleep just like any other night. And while sleeping, I don't know what time it was because I remember I woke up and saw a tunnel made of light that went from the floor to the ceiling of my bedroom in the corner of the room. I closed my eyes again I guess I continued sleeping for a few minutes. 
Then I felt as if there was something or somebody pushing me to get up from bed from behind me. As I opened my eyes again, I could see the light and started floating outside my body like hovering on top of the bed. I could see the light tunnel. My room was completely dark, but I could see the dresser and a little TV on it, but I thought I was awake. I was forcing myself to see the clock on my night table to see the time, but that area was black. So I hovered on top of the bed, and I was looking around and trying to see myself in the mirror on top of the dresser, but was also black. I couldn't see my reflection in it, which I thought was strange, but I was not afraid because I thought I was awake. Then, while I was hovering on top of the bed, I was afraid of hitting the ceiling fan with my head. I was very confused, and while usually if I look outside the window between the Venetian blinds and the window wall, I can see the light outside, but not not this night. It was very dark. So I was hovering, and I could not see anything on my bed, but I could faintly hear my husband snoring. Suddenly, I was very sad because I knew that I had to go somewhere, but I didn't know where. I thought of telling my husband I was leaving, and that's when I was pulled into the light tunnel. Standing there, facing the ceiling, I was very afraid, not being able to go through the ceiling, but a comforting feeling came over me, and I went through this tunnel that looked like a sewer. Then very fast through the sky at night, it was very dark, but I could see the darkness with the light that I had in me. I got to a place, very dark, that was like a border or something, and there were other people waiting also in line beside me. I looked to my left and saw a little boy. He also looked at me, and we waited. I could hear what I thought was one of my aunts saying to get my father. So I waited to... So I waited, and my father came walking from the darkness. I could not see him well because of his light. Two groups of people on each side that stayed behind surrounded him. They looked like white ghostly figures of white smoke, but I could tell they were people. When I think about it, I think they were my aunts and uncles. My father looked at me and smiled, turned around, and was going back. I felt I wanted to stay with him. I was screaming to wait, that I wanted to stay with him. I heard that my father told somebody that it wasn't my time. At that moment, I felt pressure on my chest, like a giant rubber band holding me, not to cross. I was pulled backwards. I was falling, and I was regressed into my body. I opened my eyes when I was to enter my body for a few seconds, I could see my room and then continued sleeping. When I awoke up, I felt so relaxed, like the best restful night of my life. When I told my husband what happened, he said I was dreaming. I know better. I never had a dream like this one before. That is the end of Sylvia's experience. Now this is interesting 
uh, especially on the earthly level. I, and let me explain that. I, you know, most near-death experiences happen, as I said, uh, from a death-like experience, a, a traumatic experience, a, a terrifying flash of something that that tells you and convinces you, I'm going to die. You know, sometimes almost getting hit by a car or something where, you know, a fall or something can induce a near-death experience. This had none of that. And yet, it happened in sleep. Now, I differentiate this to some level, to a great level, in fact, from lucid dreaming. And I say that very carefully because obviously, not having experienced this myself, I can't verify this was no lucid dream. I can't. It's, it, I, I have had lucid dreams before and it sounds consistent with the type of, uh, of feelings, the type of sensations that happen in a lucid dream. But this is so near death like that I can't help think that that's what it was. I give it as my opinion, and I, a, a very loose opinion, one that could easily be convinced otherwise if, if I heard evidence to the contrary. Um, but I suspect that deep, lucid dreams, when they are really, um, really feel lucid and very awake feeling and very conscious feeling, I suspect that they are something of a um, a partway point, you might say, into the spiritual realm. I would not suggest that lucid dreams are our spirits wandering from our bodies. I have had too many ridiculous lucid dreams <laughs> to, to suggest that. And so many of being back at my, the house I grew up in with the same yard in the same condition it it was in, and I see it now. I, I drive by once in a while, and it's totally different. It looks almost like a completely different house. It doesn't look like that. So why would I be having, if my spirit is going to my old house and seeing my old neighborhood exactly as it was as I remember it, why would that um, be a near-death experience? Maybe somebody's got an answer to that, but my answer is simply that I am in this state of I kind of think of it as a, a, uh, an airport terminal. So an airport, in an airport terminal, you walk through this tunnel to get on the airplane, right? Okay, and don't confuse my use of, of the idea of the tunnel in an <laughs> airport to be confused with the tunnel and the light uh, in a near-death experience. That's not where I'm going with this, but there is a tunnel that uh, that you go on to get on an airplane. Now, I haven't been on for years. I assume they still do it like that. But um, if there is no airplane on the other side, and those doors, then those doors will be closed on the far end of that tunnel, okay? And you, there is no accidental getting on the plane. There's no um, actual uh, or accidental um, uh, travel. You just walked on into an, an airport terminal and, and that's it. You might even say that um, 
the lucid dream is like the airport. Just because you walk into an airport does not mean you are going to the other side. Or even walking into that tunnel, it does not mean you're flying away. You have not left anywhere. You're still on the ground. You're right there in the same location you were. And until you're on the plane and taking off, you're not having a near-death experience. However, it is my opinion, and this is a very loose opinion again, that lucid dreaming is like the airport or the, the tunnel. Now, if there is no airplane there, there is no death-like experience or, or any reason for you to be stepping to the other side, then there is neither danger nor um, part death about it. Okay, I'm saying that about an ordinary lucid dream. It's like walking into an airport while all the planes are put away. They're not sitting at the uh, at the tunnels. There's no airplanes around. You're just walking around this airport. And no matter how much you hang out in that terminal, you're not flying away. You, there's just no way about it. You're just in a place that it, that you pass through on your way to fly away. And then, of course, a, a true near-death experience would be compared to being on the plane and taking flight. Okay, I think of lucid dreaming as something of an airport terminal or an airport tunnel. Maybe they're the same thing. I'm not exactly sure. But um, the idea being that it's, it's safe, it's fine to have a lucid dream, but do not expect it to take you to God. Okay, because there's no airplane present. And until your time comes, or you have an actual full-on near-death experience, you're not likely to accidentally get on an airplane. Now, I would suggest that Sylvia had a near-death experience, but not a near-dying experience. Or, as we have often worded it on this podcast, a spiritually transformative experience, something that is absolutely as valid and as real as a near-death experience, but it may not have come through a nearly dying experience. Okay, now I'm going to just apologize for a moment. I thought I pressed, you know, when when I do these podcasts, I edit them as I go along. So if I mess up, I stop, I back up, and I record from there. And, you know, anytime I make a mistake or start a coughing fit or something, I back up and I, and I fix it from there. I just went on, did about 10 or 15, probably only 10 minutes, I suppose, of talking and went back to, because I, you know, I had a mistake and went to pause it and realized it wasn't recording. So I don't know what I've said and what I haven't said now. It's the unfortunate uh, side of of recording and editing as I go. I don't remember now what I've said and what I haven't. But um, I, So I apologize for that. But I would just say that I think sometimes... You know, when you when you kind of look into astral travel and and some other um, kind of fringy topics around, um, you know, lucid dreaming versus near death experience and so forth, I have a suspicion that the lucid dream is like the airport, where yes, um, you could have a lucid dream that goes into a near death experience, but it is. Most of the time when we have lucid dreams, you're just hanging out in the airport. 
there's no airplane, the uh, door on the other side of the terminal is locked, and you and so you can't get on an airplane even if it's there. You know, it's 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 a safe um, dreaming experience that's that's fun sometimes. It's it's interesting, but it's not usually a near death. It doesn't usually lead to a near death experience. And I would not want to mix up the two, and I wouldn't even call it an out-of-body experience, but rather, uh, you know, a visit to the airport that may have some similar feelings, similar um, sensations, and similar lucidity to what one might experience in a near-death experience. And I would go on to say, from the things that I've studied about near-death experiences, uh, for the benefit of those of you who have had lucid dreams in the past, I gather that they have that lucid dream-like experience at first, and then as they pass on to the other side, and, you know, the plane takes off, so to speak, it suddenly becomes much more lucid, more vivid, and more real. They have their mind about them, absolutely, not just on the basic lucid level, but on the complete, absolute, you know, um, you are yourself um, completely. And, uh, and if you've had a lucid dream before, there's sometimes where you don't remember much about your life during the lucid, ex- lucid dream. You just feel lucid and you feel, you know, you're dreaming and you know, you know, and so forth. So anyway, my point is, um, that's my feeling about the difference between a lucid dream and an out-of-body experience. It's that a lucid dream may be the airport, um, but you're not actually getting on the plane. That would be my suspicion. And unless you're somebody like Sylvia, who actually has the experience of being able to get on the plane and have a full-on spiritually transformative experience. But I would suggest that lucid dreaming is totally safe, just like visiting an airport is totally safe. Um, don't think that you're going to accidentally end up in Paris because you're going to visit the airport, you know. (laughs) But at the same time, too, don't expect that just because you're visiting an airport, you're going to get to go to Paris. That's that's ridiculous, you know. You you know, if if there's not a a plane waiting for you that is ready to, to go with you, you don't get to go. But you're welcome to visit the airport. Okay, so anyway, this has been a little bit of a side um, discussion uh, to what we usually uh, discuss. I just wanted to bring that up because I think sometimes in the discussion of near-death experiences, it's really easy, and and I hope I don't offend anybody who believes otherwise or who thinks otherwise, but sometimes near-death experiences can feel so fringe when we mesh them all together with things like astral travel and um, uh, lucid dreaming and alien abductions and other kinds of experiences that are that are very fringe ideas, and I I I don't want to suggest that any of those other things, you know, um, alien abductions and so forth. I don't know anything about alien abductions. I, I really don't know whether there there's any reality to them or not. I certainly absolutely believe that there's other life in the universe. Whether they've visited us and and done experiments on us, I 
I, <laughs> I'm just not in a place to even discuss that. But the reason I try to separate this is because uh, and and put a not a barrier but a but a clear um, breaking point between um, near death experiences and other fringe kind of experiences is because all of us are going to experience the light on the other side. If I understand this correctly, this is where everyone is headed. Everyone, every person that ever walks the earth or never walks the earth, every spirit, child of God, will go to the other side and will experience the other side of the veil. Not everybody is going to experience you know, strange phenomena of, you know, alien encounters or, or you know, uh, lucid, even lucid dreaming, which is just a, a, a form of dreaming that's, that's slightly uncommon, but not terribly uncommon. You know, not everybody's going to experience that kind of stuff, and that's totally fine. It doesn't matter. I consider the uh, spiritually transformative experience of seeing the other side as something universal. This is something all of us are headed toward. So to kind of throw it in with even, and you know, even psychic phenomena and um, ghost type of experiences, there's definitely a connection there. We've, we've established that. But don't think that you have to fully accept all of that in order to accept near-death experiences. You don't. In fact, it's it's not necessary at all. You can, and it's great if you do. That's what you feel, uh, and that's what you um, want to believe, or that's what you have reason to believe. That's great. But don't think that if you're concerned about those kinds of things that you don't have to worry that they're the same thing because they're not. There may be overlaps in the sense of, think of it, somebody is, is you know, dying or something, and they see a tunnel of light, and maybe light beings on the other side, and then they come back, and they may say, oh my gosh, I was about to be abducted by aliens. I can see the possibility of that. I can see the absolute possibility that people would draw that conclusion. Or, that somebody having a lucid dream, that is where there's beauty and light and so forth, they may think that it's a near-death experience when really it was just a lucid dream. Or in this case, um, it could be that many people have near-death experiences or spiritually transformative experiences while sleeping and wake up and say, oh, that was just a lucid dream. That's, you know, I can see where there's some overlap, but recognize that whatever, um, and I, you know, I don't mean to be offensive by saying strange other things, because I don't doubt that many of them are real, and then others are made up. I don't know. I'm just not in a, in a position to say, but I would say that, that don't, don't assume that because you don't believe in other strange phenomena that near-death experiences can't be true also. You don't have to lump them together. They don't have to go together. I have a suspicion that one of the reasons that they do often get lumped together is because many people who have near-death experiences are blessed with gifts that go beyond the norm. And because they do, 
and they talk about their near-death experience and they talk about their psychic abilities and so forth that it sounds like they're you know it's just one of these crazy fringe topics you know that can be thrown in with conspiracy theories and every other you know strange belief out there and i just don't think that's fair i just don't think that's fair it's a little bit like suggesting you know either you have your you believe in science or you believe in god there's there's no reason at all to have to say um, that it's either or. And I think that's the point that I'm trying to make is that near-death experiences very much seem to reflect a truth that we will all experience. And other experiences, I don't know. I don't know how they all fit in. And that's okay. That's okay. I hope that made sense. Anyway, if you would like to support the podcast, One of the best ways to do that is to purchase my book, Life in the Spirit World, What Near-Death Experiences May Teach About Life on the Other Side, or by purchasing my music album, Home, which is an attempt to try to emulate what I imagine music on the other side to sound like. And part of that is just my own creative uh, liberty of maybe this is what it sounds like and part of it is taking the uh what people have said about music on the other side and and comparing it to certain artists or a certain song or a certain piece of music saying this is what i heard something like this and taking all that and trying to um create music using what information i found so the idea is is for it to be the music of home or of heaven that we came where we came from and i don't know if it's anywhere near or not but uh but that's what the intent is you can also support the podcast by going to patreon.com slash nde podcast to become an ongoing monthly contributor and whether you can contribute in any way or not just your being here is enough i just want to say to each of you Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening.